here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 106.2 FM in Table Mountain. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome um, an A-team guest who's no stranger, Executive Director of Naptosa, Basil Manuel. Basil, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Well, always a pleasure. And let's uh, get updated. I mean, when we spoke as the academic year started, um, and Neptoso was saying, look, this particular, um, you know, alterations or alternative days of studying uh, for students is not going to work very well. It's not to the students or educators' benefit. And here we are today after the announcement. uh, Children are going back to school full time. Well, Patricia, yes, and we are very happy that we've reached this stage, albeit that we still have some concerns, but uh, part of it has been answered now. Our children are going back full-time. There are issues there that we have to resolve, Uh, but now we start picking up the pieces. I said to you the last time our biggest concern was to re-inculcate the habit of schooling. Uh, everyday schooling. Many children have not attended school daily, have had long weekends every weekend, and now to get them back into that routine is a challenge within itself. And uh, we must remember that there are some kids that are balancing on the margins uh, who are heading towards dropping out, and that type of thing encourages it because they become disengaged. And now we've got to re-engage them and ensure that they fall back in love with schooling. That's going to be a challenge, won't it be? How are you going to do that as educators? How are you going to ensure that children fall back in love with education and schooling? Well, this is the job of the educator. You know, unfortunately, it's true that not everybody's always at the same place. But I've known thousands of good teachers in my time who have the exact recipe to make schooling exciting again. And to, even if it is to point out the, the lack of choices, you either have this or you have nothing. And if you're out there, that the, the, the time for fun will last now, and then you will be a menial worker. And these are the issues that we have to bring home, particularly to the boy child. Uh, particularly to the teenage boy child, that falls prey to this. And that's one of the big tasks that that lie ahead. Not speaking, of course, about uh, picking up the pieces in terms of, of lost time and, and lost uh, or, or particular subjects that need far more attention. And as I said the last time, the junior primary that needs so much attention around reading and mathematics and writing. Mm, so there's quite a lot of um, milestones that you're going to have to overcome as uh, this uh, calendar is adjusted. But uh, it, the relief is there nonetheless, and I'm sure that educators are now going to be able to educate um, the way they were used to, and this is bringing a bit of relief to them. Patricia, absolutely. Number one, I have no doubt that there are a number of educators that are a little concerned by the sheer number of people that will be back. I know that there are a large number of parents that will be concerned by the large number of children that will be back at school. 
And we have to deal with that. And one of the ways is to remember them, as Professor Boschabello was saying. We need to, to remember that we have a, a mask mandate at the moment. We've got to wear our masks. One of the criticisms of the release by the cabinet was that it spelled out what is no longer there, but it didn't spell out what is still there. Things like the masks, things like the hand washing, like the sanitation, like safety, and like vaccines. We need now to ramp those up to ensure that as we go through this unknown phase, the phase of getting back to normality, we don't lose the plot and suddenly have a spike in infections. We've got to avoid that. And the only way we do that is by being more safe with the other things. So for Naptosa, we are saying to our teachers, uh, if you're worried about uh, the number of children coming back, protect yourself. Vaccinate. If you have been vaccinated, take the booster. That is the answer. For parents, we are saying, if your child is of the age, then vaccinate. Your child needs to vaccinate as well. These are the bulwarks we have against the possibility of uh, infection rises, etc. But as I pointed out, we haven't gone into this wildly or, or without consultation. And our scientists have said to us, this is the right call for the right time. And I want to applaud the cabinet for being bold. We need to, 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 to get society back into normality. Mm, we want normality, but I don't know if we still remember what normal was because this is our normal right now. So that, that's where we are. The one thing that I did note um, in the adjustment is that even with this current um, um, new lockdown level one uh, regulations for schools being open, uh, full-time learning. The social distancing issue is still one that is there that students need to observe. How are educators going to get this right, especially in schools that um, have an issue of overcrowding? You're touching on two very important issues. The one being the social distancing norm that is no longer, and the other one, the issue of overcrowding. To start with the first one, um, we knew that if we call for the reopening of schools and the return of all the learners, it will impact on the social distancing norm. You can't have them both. And we know that it is the latter, overcrowding, that resulted in us having the rotational learning because we couldn't bring learners back safely. Now, we are obviously very concerned. And the one thing I want to stress is the fight is not over in terms of our overcrowded schools. We want our schools uh, in every province to be, to be given equal education. Not that because you are in a wealthier place or in a wealthier school, you have the luxury of small classes. Uh, teachers will tell you, if you have 60 children in a class, you're doing crowd control. You're not really doing teaching, and certainly not quality teaching. And uh, so our uh, aim is to build the pressure. Uh, it, is, it is disgraceful, Patricia, that in two years, not a single school has seen an attempt to alleviate the overcrowding by the placement of 
mobile classes or the erection of additional classes. It hasn't happened. Now we've got to demand, and we are going to demand, starting tomorrow when we meet the minister, um, a plan. We want to know what is the plan for the overcrowded schools. It can't be that we're back to the bad old days because we know, our scientists have said, this is by far not the last pandemic that we are going to have. So you can't continue to do the same old thing over and over again without due consideration for the consequences of, uh, in the future. I'm going to go to the lines. A-teamers, you're more than welcome to uh, join in and uh, call, have your comments, 011-714-2006, alternatively WhatsApp, 614 SMSs go to 41391. Before I go to these WhatsApps, let me quickly ask, because it's related to what we've been talking about, the social distancing and so on, will PPE still be provided for schools, sanitizers, masks for a lower schools and the likes? Patricia, this is a very, very important question that you raise again. And that's one of the, the questions that I even raised today. Because we want to put it to the minister tomorrow that uh, we've got to be very clear. When the 7th arrives and all the children have to be back at school, because the, the day, the last day when children must all be back at school is the 7th. Um, we want to know, will the schools have all the requisite um, uh, supplies, whether it be uh, the sanitizer, whether it be water supply, or the masks? Because, Patricia, is an important thing that we forget in the grand debate. For many parents, this comes as a financial shock, the children going back to school. They haven't been paying full transport now, because their children have been coming twice, or maybe thrice a week to school. Suddenly, you're now paying for five days. That's a shock to the system. And, of course, with petrol having gone up and going up again, it may even be more than you remember. Mm. Then there's the cost of masks. Some people even postponed the purchasing of, of uh, uniforms and things because the children weren't using them as much as they were. And suddenly all this comes uh, right down on you. And those are things we have to deal with. So those are the clarities that we need to get tomorrow. We know that the announcement came and some people have been ready. Others have not been. But we do want to know what the plan is going forward. And even with um, all our, our norms and standards that we normally apply to when things go wrong in schools, when there are infections, what are we saying uh, the, the principal must do? Now we need the guidance and we need to start out clearly. Yeah, definitely guidance is required. And I think the one other issue, I mean, we've talked about a lot extensively about schools that still have pit latrines and schools that don't have running water. And this is going to be a huge concern because most of those schools are in lower quintile areas. And them being in lower quintile areas means it's, it's, it's vulnerable communities that, that don't have the means to, to provide for themselves for things like uh, a mask and so on. So what will happen to them in terms of hygiene, in terms of protecting them? So still a lot of questions to be asked. I hope that you will get answers, Basil. I certainly hope so too, Patricia, because as I said to you uh, last week when we chatted, um, 
we use these terms euphemistically, you know, vulnerable communities, mm. etc. And I said, when I say vulnerable, hear me saying the black child. Yeah, hear me saying black communities. Hear me saying the people that have suffered since time immemorial. And we need to start peeling off those nice words we use because uh, sometimes we don't drive it home enough. And uh, I know the, 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 our political people get very edgy when you speak in what sounds like uh, uh, racial terms, but we've got to be clear. We are not talking about the privileged child. We are not talking about the well-heeled, mink and manure child. We are talking about the child in the township that has suffered all along. And that is where we've got to deal with issues of overcrowding, issues of vulnerability, pit latrines, bad classrooms, water issues. That is where they are happening. Let me go to the voice notes. Patricia, I can hear everything that she's talking about. There's rules being loosened. What about those who cannot go to university? The campuses, varsity students and TVET colleges that they are doing vaccination mandatory vaccination. And then now the one who are not vaccinated, they must uh, bring negative tests every day. There is somebody I know who has accepted UCT. They must bring negative tests every day to them to be on campus. Otherwise, they must be vaccinated. And these vaccinations, wow. Okay. Um, can you confirm this for us, Basil? I know you deal with, uh, you know, not the tertiary institution, I, I think, so much. But can you confirm to us that there is such um, rules that if you are not vaccinated, you need to show? Patricia, yes, many of our universities have adopted vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. And before we start throwing stones, uh, this is a choice people are making. And uh, the courts, uh, and, and even the CCMA, but not in the case of students, of course, but in the case of, of workers, we are seeing more and more rulings that are saying that you have a choice. You've exercised your choice not to vaccinate. You've exercised your choice not to stand in protection of uh, the other people. So you then have to ensure that you are safe by uh, getting a, a, a negative test. Now it sounds harsh, but what is it that we must do to ensure that uh, our campuses are safe, our schools are safe? And the reality is, Patricia, uh, I can give you a statistic. Before the vaccination regime started, we lost 3,000 teachers to COVID. We have lost just in excess of 100 after the vaccine uh, uh, regime started. So that is a clear indication that vaccines work. Let's stop deluding ourselves that we can can do uh, research other than what the whole world scientists are telling us. People must come to the party now and get vaccinated. You can't be refusing to help your fellow man and expect the world to support you. All right, let's go to another voice note. Good evening, Patricia. Can I correct your case there? Vaccination does not uh, stop uh, transmission of COVID-19. It prevents those who are high risk from getting the infection. Children are not high risk, uh, Patricia. They have been the most resilient in, in this pandemic. They have shown us that they've got better immune systems than us adults. So if there are people who should be vaccinating and who, who should be ramping our vaccination drive, it's not the children, but 
the adult teachers in the class because the children themselves either have no symptoms or they have mild symptoms anomza all right thank you very much anonymous uh, that was uh, uh, to you basil do you have a response yes we're on the same page uh, i've said if parents are worried that's what they must then do is have their children vaccinated but i we i'm agreeing 100 percent. it is the adults that are more vulnerable than the children and uh, the children it's been proven that children will get mildly ill and of course uh, the vaccination doesn't stop COVID, but it prevents serious illness all right um basil you know there's so many things that we need to be covering here on this particular issue uh, one side is a win it's positive on the other side there's challenges that you have cited um and and are, are the schools alongside with the unions that represent educators and the basic department of education willing to come together to to help these uh, plights that you're already foreseeing um, are they willing to work together to make sure that our students go back to school with ease on the 7th patricia i would like to believe so but of course you know we we will always have differences but i think the vast majority of teachers in themselves irrespective of where they are located etc are at one with the idea that this has not worked. Our children are losing out. We've got to do something seriously. And if that is getting all our kids back, if that is about ensuring that we double over and make the system work, then that is what we are going to do. We haven't had a single negative comment from either membership or non-members for that matter say to us, no, we don't want our children back at school. Not one single comment. And that is, is refreshing because our teachers are saying to us, and we've had hundreds of people who have actually penned it to say, no, we certainly cannot have this continue any longer. We want our kids back. And that, that makes me so proud of being a teacher and so proud of, being, of standing with those people who see their, their purpose as serving the greater good. Well, I'm so glad. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And y- you give us hope, right, as, as parents and guardians and uh, those who need to be attending school. You give us hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And this is indeed uh, refreshing news for uh, learners. And I'm sure we will get, you know, over these hurdles. Thank you so very much. Absolute pleasure, Patricia. Good night and thank you very much.